back to the farmstead we're glad you're here pull up a chair and rest your heels and let's talk about large family living on the homestead let's get after it let's do it welcome back to the podcast i think i have sawdust in my ears i got sawdust in my ears i got sawdust in my nose eyes i can't breathe i can't i don't even have a beard but i can hardly even see (laughs) it's been a great week so far we've been super busy big announcement we finally got the workshop cleaned up and the wood shop is wired and it's lit and it has dust collection and we have been busy making all kind of bee boxes i don't even know how many were how many have we made over so 60 i think right yeah i think i lost track after 50 oh uh, yeah a couple on. more days and we should be we should be done and have uh, plenty for this season. A couple extra on hand, just in case. And I'm hoping so because I don't think I can take any more sawdust on my nose. Train coming! Wow, it feels so been. good though. It's really fun, and I'm doing some of it, which is great. The kids are all helping. Little bits, you know, they'll come in and out and run, run through and help stack stuff and move yeah, stuff they'll help stack things or move things or. Some of them have helped when I've been using the planer. They'll help, you know, grab the boards or get give them to me or whatever. So that's been fun. We've had, let's see, we've had uh, Lily has helped me build boxes. Mm-hmm. Annie has helped me build the boxes. Mm-hmm. Ben has also been run, running the nailer and helping us build boxes. Uh, Izzy's been moving stuff. Uh, she used a chop forth. saw. Is he used the chop saw? <laughs> um, I haven't even used that. <laughs> Jake's been uh, cutting the boards down. Nate's yeah. been cutting the boards down. Yep. Uh, Luke's been in there doing everything too. Of course, they're all out strung out through the workshop with their own hammers and nails. And yeah, we can't even find half the hammers now, but they were there at the start. But we did get a sliding door on the workshop part, so that'll help keep some of the shenanigans shenanigans to a minimum yeah but it's cool when they're out there working there's hammers flying everyone's having fun everyone's building it's like we've got a little little shenanigan shack sanctuary going on out there where everyone can kind of learn and build and and they've all been building their own things stools and benches and shelves and all kinds of signs and things like that they're just doing all kinds of stuff twirly things that they spin around like steering wheels and yeah built a steering wheel thing it was supposed to be hooks but then it turned into a steering wheel because he couldn't get the one nail back out of the wood (laughs) (laughs) he's got to make sure that we don't let boards with nails sticking up hang around and make sure that they knock them down flat or yep because that could be that could be the only only thing there but it's been fun it's been a learning opportunity for everybody it's been super gorgeous out so it's been so fun to be out oh it's like spring break we didn't take a spring break so i always count the days that are really super nice as spring break (laughs) instead of what what do you call it instead of rainy days we have sunny days we do we instead of taking snow days we take sundays so we don't we don't take snow days in the winter because we don't need to so, yeah, because we're you know, homeschooled. And yeah, the bus, the bus 
stays parked in the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> so we take Sundays and those, this week has been, they started off the week strong and did co-op and all that and did other things through yesterday. And then yesterday and today we worked hard to get boxes done. So I came out and helped, which means the teacher's off, you know, on break and the kids go crazy. But you're never on break because you're always running back and forth to I co-op. Know. And now with uh, <laughs> how many different plays? Are uh, the, this is their second play. So, yeah, the boys are in a play and they're they're excited. Murder mystery at the murder mystery. Ooh, I keep hearing all these lines going I back know. and forth. And, and the girls are doing a play. They're doing a, a, a play in their little house class. So they're going to act out a couple of the scenes from that. They're excited because they love they loved the last play. So. They're really excited about that. It's fun yeah, hearing them do fun. all that and see how how well they do. And yeah, that's it's going to be fun. I think they're going to do great. But they're excited, and we have to run them back and forth to play practice. So that's that's been this week too. So it's but been another busy week, and we got a you. I couldn't find you the one day I took them, and I came back because uh, they had a set build. Um, after co-op on Monday. And so I came, they had a read-through on Tuesday and I couldn't find you. I'm like, where's dad at? Where's dad at? Finally, I realized, of course, you were in the bee yard. Ben came up and was like, I'm done checking my bees. And I'm like, what? Oh, daddy's out there. So yeah, you were in the, the, you were had disappeared into the bee yard. Well, before we get into all the updates, we should read, uh, we've got some new iTunes reviews. Yeah. You want to read those? Sure. Okay, the the newest one is from Debbie Loves Farming, and it says, keep it coming. Okay, yes, I am your mother, but I'm allowed to give a review, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay, so you want to get real, I'm going to get real. You guys are amazing. I love to hear these podcasts and listening to the two of you so naturally talk about something that you love. Although we are many miles away... Listening to this podcast makes me feel like I'm sitting in the living room with you, having a cup of coffee, and I can see the smiles on both of your faces. I can hear the joy in your voice of you living life and loving it along the way. We love you guys so much. Keep up the great work. Keep the podcast coming. So that's your mom. That's my mom. Thanks, mom. Yeah, that was awfully sweet. If our kids could write reviews or can figure it out. <laughs> It's going to be full of all kinds of shenanigans, wouldn't it? No, the last time Nathan accused you of writing your own. <laughs> right. Well, here's the next one. Okay, so this, uh, I don't, uh, Titan65 writes, absolutely fantastic. You two are absolutely killing it on this podcast. The dynamic between you is captivating, encouraging, informative, and entertaining. The format keeps me engaged from start to finish. Healthy, ball busting, and not taking yourself too, so seriously. More of what this world needs. Blessings to both of you. Oh, that's very sweet. That's cool. I wasn't planning on reading that. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have fun. Yeah. You know, we have fun no matter what it is. We try to try to have fun. I yeah. mean, we're trying to do taxes and that kind of stuff because that's kind of the season we're in right now. Ugh. Hard to really make that one fun. But you got to find ways to make Just things interesting it, and yeah. laugh. I mean, if you can't laugh about yourself. If you can't laugh at yourself, yourself you're, you're then taking yourself you're taking yourself too, too seriously. Yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah, I often have to laugh at myself about stuff. 
Well, thanks for the reviews. Keep them coming. We love it. We love reading them, and and it encourages us to keep going. And we've got uh, thanks again for everyone for all the questions and the yeah. uh, hard lessons learned and the funny stories. We'll get to those here uh, in a little bit, too. Uh, thanks for all the feedback and for everyone who's been sharing the podcast. Thank you so much. It really means a lot. It helps us get the word out and uh, also um, lets us know that you guys are listening and appreciate it. And that makes us uh, makes it all worthwhile. You know, when we know we have folks that are listening and taking some things away from it. We're not experts. We're just we're beginning at everything that we do. And uh, we're just trying to share our experience along the way. So it's it's fun to have folks that are engaging with us. So thanks again. Keep up the good work. And uh, it's been one of those weeks where all of a sudden it's just like the vibrancy and the energy is just like through the roof. Yeah, our forsythia bloomed. Woo woo. Which means? Three snows still. Old timers say three snows after the forsythia blooms. Let's say that that is is dead and gone. Well, it's been right on the money for as long as I can been... But Checking hey, I don't that. see it in the next couple of weeks, so I'm going to say this this myth has been busted. <laughs> well, so let's see. We're, we're on the record saying three snows after the Forsythia blooms, so right. I guess we'll see how that kind of turns out. The dandelions are They're starting out. to pick up a little bit. Yeah. And uh, the maples, of course, are all blooming. The I noticed uh, today all the pears are flowering, so there's white flowers all over the place. Yep. And... You start seeing things like that. All the, the comfries starting to pop up through the ground and get oh, all of a sudden starting to shoot all up. All the comfries coming back up. All the kids keep saying, Mom, look, all your stuff's coming back up. All your stuff's coming back up. And when you keep bees, the first thing you start thinking about is pollen. Because you're thinking, oh my gosh, what's going on in the bee, in the bee yard? And we start seeing all these. And I'm thinking, oh man, you know, you can... You can't ever base anything on dates like even if you keep good records and a calendar you can't base things year after year like based on pure dates but and maybe we should have a podcast coming up talking about phonology which is kind of the study of nature nature's calendar yeah and that's what animals and uh all the biological life and nature (laughs) uses as harbingers for uh, all the things to come are based on temperatures and soil temps and barometric pressure, yeah. lunar phases, yeah. sun exposure, um, and that helps kind of orchestrate the great magical dance of spring going into summer, going into fall. And there's a lot of things that we do around here that's based on that, and beekeeping is one of them. So when I see all these things starting to kind of shape up uh, through the spring, I get really, really excited because one of the first things to happen in the bee yard um, is the spring build. Yep. And that's when the bees start to uh, pick up their uh, brood building on the inside of the hives, and they start to kind of grow their numbers, and they're getting rid of all the dead bees. And um, with beekeeping, sometimes you always feel like you're always just a little bit behind. And if you let that go a little bit too far, then you can have things happen Um, In the bee yard, you can have uh, swarms that you're not planned and ready for. Um, You can miss out on opportunities to get your honey supers on. So I was just getting too anxious, and it was just getting too warm, and you were gone with the kids, and I stuck off to the bee yard. 
Yep. That's but where I, I found help. you. Yep. Had some help out there. And uh, so we went, we went through all the beehives and checked, and everything's doing great. Yeah. And we went through and got rid of some empty boxes and crowded them back down. Uh, we checked up on their honey and their dry sugar, and uh, they're all doing super good. So uh, we noticed that we've got uh, brood is starting to pick up. They're bringing in all kinds of pollen. That's like a kaleidoscope of yellow and olive green and green and um so they're starting to, to build it's spring brood. camo <laughs> yeah it's like spring spring camo so it's awesome to see all that going on in there and uh it won't be long we should be making splits and making some queens and going on the big bee run to bring back all the the bees from down the fat bee man deliver them all over the place so yeah so it's it's awesome to have to be feel like we're finally just ahead with checking up on the bees, we're just ahead and getting equipment built for once. Yeah, and it's it's a lot of fun when we're all kind of um, doing it together. And I guess the next thing we need to do this week is probably start digging up and getting of our comfrey orders out. Yeah, yep, got to get that comfrey. Now that it's popping up, you can see where it is, and it's coming back up. It's time to dig it up and send it off to people. So, what in the world is comfrey? I know, that's what I said when you first started growing it. I was like, what is that? Some people call it comfrey, some people call it comfrey. Oh, yeah. When people say that, I'm like, what do you mean, comfrey? And we had to make fun of, a, I had to make fun of a couple people once for saying it like that. Um, but it's funny to hear them draw it out a lot. Um, but yeah, I couldn't figure out what, why you were growing this. And then... The first year that you planted it and you started putting little pieces everywhere, like all over the place. And it was just like super beautiful. It was like a hosta with these beautiful purple flowers that come up. And what's then, your nickname? What's your nickname for him? What do you call him? Hillbilly Hosta. Hillbilly Hostas. <laughs> yeah, I call him Hillbilly Hostas because of course they can get whacked down, chewed up, pecked by chickens, ducks, and all everything else, and they still come back. I mean, them things. We had hostas. When we moved here, we had hosta and they're gone. I've never seen them since. They got destroyed. They got destroyed by chickens and kids and everything else that decided to peck it apart. And comfrey is sturdy. It 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 will keep coming back until you you it just won't go away. You can't you can't really get rid of it. No, it's it, but it's beautiful in that way because it keeps regenerating itself. Unlike most other things, um, I don't have any other perennials that will do that that are that sturdy. I've grown hostas. I've never had success with them being that sturdy or. You know, echinacea and other things, it just is not the same. They they can't delicate. They can't take the the pecking and the trampling and whatever else you have around because we have them in places that the kids just destroy. And so, and it's it always comes back and they're beautiful. I love in the in the summer though when they bloom, it's like the most beautiful thing. And they just and they they just keep blooming mm-hmm. and blooming and You're blooming like, oh, and blooming it's and blooming. So pretty. They're really pretty. They have. Uh, the plant itself is kind of shaped like a hosta, where it kind Similar. of has that fl- that rosette of leaves mm-hmm. that start off, you know, low to the ground and kind of work their way up, kind of pyramid up, yeah, with a stalk that comes out of the top that has these really cool cylindrical 
uh, like curved shape off the top that the, these little the bell, bell flowers, flowers hang mm-hmm. from. And those flowers are always loaded with bumblebees and honeybees and all kinds of all kind of beneficial uh, insects. That's right. And there's two varieties. They both have purple, right? And then the one is white, right? Is that how it is? I think that can kind of vary. But we, yeah, we grow three different varieties. We have, um, we'll keep the Latin names out of it. We don't want to get too confusing, but we have. I called it hillbilly hossa for a reason. Yeah. Well, there's um, common comfrey or true comfrey, um, which is uh, one type that we have that propagates itself by seed. Um, It's super good for uh, making poultices and salves and things like that. Um, It's more known for its medicinal value. We have, uh, and then two others, Bocking 4 and Bocking 14. What in the world's a Bocking? Do we need to get into all that? Probably not. But uh, a while back, there was a bunch of um, different trials that were ran on Comfrey mm-hmm. uh, to kind of better understand all the different components and how beneficial that they were. And kind of the two standouts were Bocking 4 and Bocking 14. Um, and we have both of those as well, and I love them both. They, they're kind of... Um, they're they're all very similar, but there's some some nuances to each um, that kind of lend to whatever your goals are, mm-hmm. um, and then then kind of how you use them. But they when they flower, they have like a, a lavender uh, purplish bellflower that hangs, and then sometimes the uh, the common comfrey has more of a white flower mm-hmm. that hangs from it. So super pretty and then super beneficial. The leaves have kind of a like an alligator. Uh, real light alligator kind of like texture, really neat to look at. You can just there's really mesmerizing the texture um, of the leaves, and then the flower itself. There's a lot of it's almost hairy. Yeah. Um, the leaf itself is slightly hairy. It where hosta is real smooth. Um, your cumbria isn't going to be a super smooth it's more leaf. More furry, like a mullen leaf. For, yes, but a little coarser, not as right. soft. Yeah, mullen is soft. It's not gonna. Um, sometimes if you grab comfrey and in certain parts of the season, it can almost be prickly. Yeah. So uh, with the common comfrey, we can use those for make to make salves, uh, poultices, tinctures. I use that a lot in our herbal remedies, um, especially salve, because we go through a lot of that with that seven kids. But um, poultices, we've we've. Um, well, Comfrey's nickname is Knitbone. Right. <clears throat> so we have we have literally helped knit bones before. Um, we've had uh, kittens that have had a little too much love. <laughs> when and- we first moved out here, <laughs> we were we had a huge mouse problem, and so mice were getting into all the feed, and it was it was atrocious. So I went and picked up two farm cats. Yeah. Brought those uh, little kitties back. And the, the the kitties found a little home under the shed. Yeah. Well, this is the first time we've ever had cats. Or maybe it was an escape route. Or an escape route from all these uh, <laughs> kids. eager kids. And so the kids thought they were stuck. And so they, they, they reached under the shed to and pull then them yanked out. them out yeah. for, trying to help them. And so how did, how did that little kitten get its name? <laughs> so that kitten's name was uh, Comfrey. Yeah. And she, she had a torn uh, ligament in her back leg. To where she couldn't walk on it, and then over the course of about three or four days, that leg started to actually shrivel up, um, and she wasn't. She was walking only on three legs. Yeah, she wasn't using it. So we decided to make a poultice and kind of wrap her up. For we had everybody take turns holding her with the poultice against her. 
for about maybe what 12 hours or so uh, yeah we tried to do it for about a day half a day and then um gave Kept her a little bit through the yeah. water um we infused some in the water and like a hot tea yeah you can yes let it cool down and let her drink some of that but when we made that hot tea we took that hot steamy leaf matter mm-hmm, that's the poultice where you warm up water and you continue to um uh, kind of steep it in a way but with less water and um that actually warms up all of the elements in the comfrey leaf and when you apply it to the skin um delicately though sometimes you don't even need to apply it directly to the skin a layer between is okay too like paper towel or um you know cheesecloth or whatever but um when you apply it it can help with those bones or muscles or whatever and she was actually walking on it by day two um and we continued to try to do the same things um day three and four and she was, she was walking on it running on the best it back cat to forever so um so yeah it has a lot of benefit in that way and um so we use it for poultices i use it in salves i make um our salves that we use as kind of like our alternative to neosporin so um it's great for that and um you like to use it well we've we fed rabbits and chickens and turkeys and other things to boost their protein up um and just help it, use it as fodder all the animals do real well yeah uh, and that on all all the varieties 4 14 or or common comfort they'll eat it all and um and then we've also used it for compost tea we used it for compost tea last year and um, helped infuse some new nutrients into the soil to help um, the garden yeah. along. Yeah, the Bocking 14 um, has a little bit thinner of a stalk, and it breaks down a little bit quicker. It tends to grow up and then kind of fall over, grow up, fall over. Yeah, it gets so tall. So it, it breaks down a lot faster in a compost pile. And then also when you make a compost tea, it kind of breaks down into the water a little bit faster. So we tend to use that one for making compost teas and... Uh, things like that. The Bocking 4 is a little bit sturdier of a stalk, uh, a little bit wider and rounder um, of a leaf, has less alkanoids in it. And so when we're also making poultices or salves, we can also use uh, the Bocking 4 as well. It's, it's worked out really well Yeah. Um, for us and all those kind of things. It's not, We have it all over the place, literally. Um, and it's fun because you know, it, we cut it three to four times a year all the way down to the ground. And we've had, it, it grew up to six feet tall last year. You cut it several times and ended up dry. We dried the huge leaves um, to use. I didn't, you know, it wasn't just for my salves, but we used it for your um, dried for your smoker. Yeah. For smoker fuel. Yeah. So we take a bunch of it, cut it. For and, the for the beast. Yep. Tie it up and then uh, hang it out in the woodshed. And then I'll use it the rest of the, uh, the rest of the season, and then, then even into the spring, I've already used it. Uh, when you keep bees, you know one of the one of the the tricky things uh, in the bee yard is the varroa mite, and it's a super controversial subject on how to go about managing uh, bees with varroa mites, whether you manage it all, um, whether you use uh, chemicals if you're chemical free. Uh, one thing that we like to try to use is herbs uh, to help. Um, reduced the impact that the varroa mites have um, on our honeybee health. And so by using things that are high in oxalic acid naturally mm-hmm. in the plant form, like comfrey and rhubarb, um, 
we can uh, kind of inoculate the hive with uh, oxalic acid. We can also use like staghorn sumac berries um, for the citric acid. And those are great things just to be able to use to, number one, use as smoke fuel while you're in there to help calm the bees down. But if you can also give them a little uh, of that vaporized acid, it helps um, to, uh, a little bit with, with the mites. So it's great to use it um, for that as well. So yeah. I, know, we, I know we've said it probably on every, almost every episode so far, but one thing that's really important to us is to have elements of the farmstead that serve more than one purpose. If they can serve three purposes, perfect. So with the comfrey, we can use it to make compost tea. We can use it to make salves. We right. can use it to make poultices. We can feed our animals. We can use it as smoker fuel, and it's beautiful. And aesthetically, it's it is beautiful. It is like it's like a hot. I mean, it is. It's more. It. I think it's prettier than a hosta. But um, and the great thing about it is you can order comfrey roots. Uh, where we're digging up comfrey roots this week, and they're shipping a bunch out. The great thing about it is you plant them. And then when the plant grows, you can dig your own plant up, chop the roots up, and then plant them even even more places. Give them to your friends. Give them to your family. Load your 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 yard, your your beds, anywhere you want, your orchard, uh, with them, and they keep growing. You can keep propagating that plant, turning it into more plants on your own, and it's right. super super simple. Yeah. So comfrey has been a really important part of our farmstead for lots of reasons. Yeah, from the so, beginning. If you're interested in comfrey, let us know. We're going to be shipping stuff out this week, and we'd love to get you some comfrey. Yeah, awesome. The turkeys also really ate a ton of comfrey. They they pulverized most of what was hanging around the garden, for sure, along with everything else in the garden. And they were picking out all the new comfrey that was popping up. Yes. Until today. Until today. The comfrey can grow on without being destroyed by turkeys <laughs> why is that greg what, what did we do today what are my pants currently covered in right now oh that's so gross um so we butchered the turkeys those big old turkeys have finally found their final resting home yeah in the freezer camp well we had four birds i think we started out with i i think it was like eight was that many I think it was eight, it was but six. several of them, oh, was it three of each? That's right. Yeah, it, was it was six. six. So we lost two. Um, and we lost two really close together. So I think it was just... We had a, it, was a, it was a cold night. Cold snap. Yeah. And they were just, well, turkeys. If anybody knows, turkeys are just very unwilling to live um, unless you try really hard. So we always start them with chickens um, because they do best when... They get taught by smarter animals. <laughs> We've had them literally die of starvation in, in front, a food tray. Yeah, in front of the feed, like literally. They just can't head figure in the out feed. They, they don't even know how to eat. It's silly or drink. Um, um, the first year we lost quite a few because we didn't know how stupid they were, and um, we were putting silver marbles in their water and in their that feed to attract them because they but were they looking they at the shiny, weren't. blingy stuff and went yeah. back at that and inadvertently feeding get water some food. themselves. But yeah, we'd have to go out there so many times a day just to keep them dang things alive. And so then the second year, we got wise and ordered chickens the same time we would order turkeys. And our success rates on... Were through the roof. Yeah, that. on them actually living 
um, I think we had 20 out of 20 that second year instead of, you know, 10 or whatever. I was literally just miserable the first year um, with them. But yep, today we butchered them. They decided back in like October, November, they were going to like go on keto or slim fast. Or I don't know what they, they got some sort of memo to um, not gain weight. And they were not ready to be butchered for Thanksgiving. Well, when we got them, though, we got them about the, the same time when we got meat birds. Right. So we actually ran them together in, in the same uh, hoop hut. Right. And so we, we raised them out on pasture, moved the hut. Yep. Then uh, always on, on fresh pasture. But then when it came time for the chickens to be gone, the chickens stayed in that hut for a little while. Yeah. And, and the turkey stayed in the hut the, afterwards. Um, right. And then yeah. we decided to put the turkeys to work. Yeah, I thought, hmm, what should I do? Clean out my garden myself or let these birds that aren't ready to die anyway go ahead and clean it out for me. So I took the easy route <laughs> and I let them clean it out for me because they needed a home for the winter. And so they got to do some cleanup and go through and peck and get peck everything get yeah bugs out yep. get weeds out get and weeds. then manure fertilize yep. your well and i didn't i didn't pull out anything so i didn't pull out the tomato you know leftover tomato remnants or you know anything that was just laying around green bean leftovers all the things that we planted last year they were left over and they cleaned all that out so that was great and um they went through and did that so Today, when we were butchering them, I was like, gosh, these, well, first of all, they looked fat. They finally looked like, like typical butterball. Girls were husky. Yeah. And they were all girls. So we had noticed they had started laying eggs and turkeys don't start laying eggs until they're like seven, eight months old. Well, so they're eight months old (laughs) and they were starting to lay eggs. So the big, huge, fun thing today is while we were butchering them of course you're going to pull out all their egg production you know from yeah. inside of them and the kids were fighting over who was going to get the eggs that were inside so that was super fun it's funny to watch them they were like what those come out of there why it's is there pretty so many? cool to see that it, it's yeah so a chicken or a turkey or whatever has the the eggs that they're going to have for their entire life time inside of them and you can see the whole long line of eggs from teeny, teeny, tiny, tiny, all the way up to we we pulled a whole bit of uh, a formed egg that she probably would have laid the next day or so. I think Jake got a photo. Yeah, probably. of some of some of those eggs there. So I think he did. Cool yeah. maybe we'll post that. Yeah, one had a shell. One of them had a shell, and then one of them didn't have a shell. It had started to form. It was like a balloon. It was like a balloon. It was real rubbery, and then everything else was just yolk. You know, it looks like yolk. It hadn't hadn't formed a shell or anything yeah. yet. But but that was fun. So we butchered them. So they were finally a good size for the first time. It seems like all of our turkeys we do we don't force feed them, um, and we don't intend buy turkey ration which would be a higher protein well because we were running with the meat birds we always and run so them with when, meat when birds. we run the corners cross you always have to be careful anyways on on how much protein you pump into them right um because they have a tendency of just croaking up you know croaking over because of heart attacks and getting too heavy too quick yes leg problems so we kind of we slow them down a little bit too yeah oh yeah and then the turkeys are in with them so the turkeys are actually eating the chicken feed Right. Not turkey feed. 
which is a lower protein. So it just takes them. We we could do it different. You know, we could raise the turkey separate, put them on a higher protein, and and get them to butcher weight a lot sooner. But right, uh, you know, some things it's it's worth not being in a hurry on if you don't have to be. If we were trying to sell fifty or hundred turkeys, um, it and would we're, be done different. It would be done a lot different. Yeah, but we're just they're being incorporated with the meat birds, so you know it's we can afford the the time. And then when we kind of multitask with them and put them in the garden for cleanup and fertility, then it you know it it kind of makes it worth it. Right. Yep. I also kind of like seeing them and hearing them, so I always hate to. Wow. I don't know about that. Um, When I'm you catch check with me when I'm stepping through turkey poop all over the garden, but um, (laughs) I (laughs) um, I'm hoping for like a big rain so that we don't (laughs) washes it all away before I have to work in there too much or put my knee down into turkey poop. Ugh. But um, we pull these big, beautiful marinated breasts off the smoker. I know. Enjoy dinner. That that was a nice thing. Is we didn't just every other year we've raised turkeys. We've we've actually bagged them up to use them as a traditional turkey for Thanksgiving. But this year because we we butchered them in April instead of November or yeah November, um, we decided to part them. And I think we're gonna love it. I actually think we're gonna love the fact that we parted them out and. We have um, huge, like almost four pound breasts and huge leg Leg quarters quarters, and wings. And so, and then I've got a bunch of backs and stuff and necks for stock. So that'll be fun. But I just think that it'll be more than a one, one day meal, you know, where normally we, we raise turkeys for one day. For one meal, it's all, that's always been uh, some kind it's of been hard. hard. I know. It's like man, it's all this effort, six to nine months, because we've raised the we've raised the Harris Bourbon before, Reds, yeah. and these ones have, uh, are the or the broad-breasted bronze, so they uh, are a faster grow bird. But we you know we we slow them way way down, and it's like man, to go through all this aggravation just for one meal seems kind of ridiculous. It does. So it's neat when you part them out. Um, because then you can kind of enjoy. It'll almost be like enjoying chicken because we raise chicken to enjoy it on the grill. And we cook and out so much. Like we do. Cookout isn't a season. It's it's a year round thing. It for is. Us it is. Well, and it, it's almost like a drive through or convenience because in the summertime we don't have central air, so our house gets, our kitchen especially gets like an inferno. Um, and you know, I really honestly hate turning on the oven in. The summer. The oven won't even probably be on from now until it gets cool out again. Right. We just cook out so much. It's just so hard to do anything on the oven. We said cook out. Us northern folks, I guess that won the war, we call it cooking out. out, Not barbecue. barbecue. Right. Not every. Well, I think a barbecue, I think you're going to put barbecue sauce on something. (laughs) Yeah. So, but yeah, we'll use those and they'll, they'll be so great. I think it'd be awesome. It'd be like our our drive-through food (laughs) it's so good it's so beautiful and it's so easy to part out chickens and turkeys and you can just you know even if you think about you know how much you have in feed and time and all that when you have these big beautiful bags uh and they're all separated and they're labeled and it's like oh my gosh like i'm really looking forward to to getting those um cooked out and we took it a step further 
is because on most of our um, our chicken cuts that we make, when we piece them out like that, um, when we do them whole, we use um, the uh, the Texas poultry bags, the shrink bags that we dip into the turkey fryers, and it it shrinks up around them, and we zip tie it. Yeah, it's almost like a grocery store shrink bag, but you and know, the, you those can do are it great for whole birds, and I like yeah. I like whole birds, but I really love parting them out. And using them, and then getting the all the the backs cut up and the necks and all the carcass ready um, to make bone broth with, because we put the bone we can make that and the instapot, so we can chop all that into perfect sizes. Yep. And then um, we use the food saver bags. Yeah, and we did. It does cost you a little bit more, um, but it does a lot better job of keeping the frost off. That's one thing I noticed too with uh, when we when we butcher. Um, the pork it doesn't matter how many layers of plastic you put on, Mm-mm. and then paper, um, you'll still get you'll still get some frostbite on there. And I yeah. don't like I don't I just those food saver bags they just do really really well on keeping that off, and they just I think they pack a little better. I like them because we ended up using a shavada sauce, which is like a New York yeah buffalo um, buffalo sauce, and um. It ends up going in there, and it, you're not worried about it leaking or spilling or whatever. Once it's sealed, it's done. So, so we're that marinating was really nice. and vacuum sealing. Yeah, we're marinating and vacuum sealing all in the same step, and it's you have no freezer burn. You don't have any of the issues that you would have if you were just using. You know, if you were using freezer bags, you're it's still costing you. Right. So either way, you're 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 costing yourself. W- what are you? What, you know, what are you gaining by using one over the other? So, because we're, you know, we know how our family eats, we know what yeah. to expect, we know what we enjoy. Yep, go ahead and marinate them, get yep. them vacuum sealed, get them organized into the chicken freezer, and then when it's time to light that charcoal and get that beautiful grill glowing and smoke them. We'll have turkey drumsticks, quarters. that'd be so cool for four hours. Oh Woo-hoo. my gosh, that's gonna be great. So good. So, so that's what we did today. We did that, and we did some. Other oh, we took uh, we we took video of the whole entire schmear. Yeah. Oh, so Jacob you, did. Jacob did. Yeah. If, so, if you're uh, wondering what in the world turkey butchering is all what about, what are we talking about? Yeah. We'll uh, let Jacob get the video edited and put yeah. together, and we'll be able to share uh, kind of how we do that. That'd be fun. Well, we have a bunch of uh, questions. Yeah. And some uh, and a funny story and some hard lessons learned. Do you want to go ahead and start reading some of those? Well, we had a really kind of involved question, and I thought we should probably address it first. It's going to be long. That's why we're getting to it probably sooner than... Yeah. The other ones, the other ones weren't quite as involved, but... Um, there was our friend from Small Scale Life, Tom Dahmers, had a question about how our, you know, GSD crew got started. How did it get started and how has it evolved from when it started and how often do we get together now? And then uh, John Matheson piggybacked on that and asked what kind of hardships did we encounter and how do we handle that? Yeah. And I thought that was more than just a quick question. So I thought maybe we should address that um, in today's podcast because it was um, a big part of how things got started and how we met people and things like that. So um, it was one that where it's just not going to be a one sentence answer. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's pretty. We could have an entire episode just on that, but we'll try to keep it. Yeah. Keep it brief. So when we when we first started heading down this road, uh, a buddy of ours, Steve Harbolt, put on a homesteading workshop and asked us to speak. Uh, about, asked you to speak. Asked me. Asked, I didn't asked know anything about any of this at that point. Yeah, about just you know, kind of um, the the getting started, the fake it till you make it uh, aspect of. Uh, moving from the city out to the country and so we were really fresh in that journey and uh, we got to share our story with a bunch of homesteaders and um, met a real a bunch of really great folks there and uh, you know we were you know sitting around talking at lunch and um, we were kind of talking you know rather than continue to you know what wh- why is it that we only get together when it's time to go to these paid workshops or these kind of paid events? It Which can be pricey. can be really pricey. And it's just, it kind of is contrary to old time community to be funding social relationships like that. And it's the way a lot of things have evolved, though, and I understand why they do it. A, but. A, a, I mean, I told, there's a great purpose to it. it. It has merit for sure. That's all uh, we met a lot of these folks. Right. But a lot of folks get into a cycle where all they do is go to paid workshops to meet like minded folks because they don't know how I don't to do it. I want to say it's easier, but I can just buy a ticket and then I can show up and then I can, I'm, I'm automatically included in the engagement without actually having to get outside of my comfort zone, without being a little more vulnerable, without right. um, letting people inside of my life or um, letting people in. Um, and it's, it's, I don't want to say it's, it's a cop-out sounds derogatory. It's not a cop-out, but it's, it's definitely easier to just buy a ticket and show up to a workshop and well, then in leave today's on your busy own world. terms. Yeah, in today's busy world, I think it is easy for a lot of people to do that because how else are you going to meet people that are like doing what you're doing? Um, and we have a lot of social media, which is great in one aspect, but I think it takes the socialness out of, you know, actually meeting people face to face. Um, and a lot of times that's how you build community is to actually meet somebody. Like in the real world. Yeah, like we're based on this like constant, instant gratification loop to where we'll hop on real quick, you know, check our check our updates, check on our social media <laughs> and, you know, and we can kind of involve ourselves with that social aspect when it's convenient for us and when it's easy for us and when it meets all these things for us. Right. And that's, there's great aspects to it. But right. there's also a lot of negative things to it. And it's really tricky to find a balance that works for you. But when we were at that workshop, you know, several of us had met prior to that uh, at the Permaculture Voices uh, convention out in, in San Diego. And, you know, when I was asked, are you going to go to the next one? I said, no, you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm done. I'm done with workshops. I'm done with the constant fetching of information and trying to find the next piece to make everything click. It's just time for me to to get off my, my rear thing. and actually do it. You know, yeah. there's nothing to it but to do it. And so that's and when we decided, kind of you know what, we're started. not going to do that. And you know, it was it was kind of you know right then and there where I you know I said, guys, let's just why don't we? The idea started forming, and I was thinking, 
let's just why don't we just do this together you know we don't have to go meet and we're in that we live in the same state or adjoining states right. like we don't have to meet in san diego or at a once a year workshop to get together because you know there's there's such like-mindedness and such good folks that show up to these things uh, and you really you feel close you feel connected and you want to kind of see that through um and but so, they don't know how and it's it's hard when that's when that is the format so when we left there um, you know, like any kind of a thing like that, there's a lot of back and forth friend requests and messaging and then, right. you know, texting back and forth and eventually phone calls. And so what we did is just we, we that's when the, the Ohio GSD crew kind of came to be is we just decided, well, we know when we're doing stuff here at the farmstead. We'll let people know. Let's just invite some folks. And yeah. if they want to come hang out and learn and see what we're, what we've done wrong. And what, and what we're doing, then they're more than welcome to come out and uh, kind of share it with us. And so we started doing that. I think the first one was um, we were when we had just uh, cut the pond over at the farm. We were putting some some rip wrap up and um, kind of shoring up the dam wall and, and, and sowing some seed and things like that. Yeah. And then cutting up a uh, pond and the same thing here at the house. And so we had folks show up, and then it was just it was awesome. We also had sh- folks show up to build the shenanigan shack, the yeah, the workshop. The workshop, yep. And so we, we were just we had opportunities to where we could all learn and build these skills together, and then we can uh, have that fellowship with each other, and it kind of evolved from there. So when it came time to uh, for our first Oktoberfest, yeah, you know, all those folks got the invite, right, and. It's an amazing thing to have folks that want to be in your life, and it's awesome to have folks that you want to be engaged with in their lives, and it was a tremendous sense of community, a tremendous sense of, you know, this is how things have always been in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, if you need help with something, you know, you can have folks will come and they'll help you. And then in return, you go help them when they have projects. Yeah. So it wasn't just everybody coming to our um, place. There was other hog butcherings that, you know, many of the same folks went to for other people. Um, there was a greenhouse or was it a greenhouse? Yeah. What do they call that? Yeah. Uh, high tunnel high tunnel yeah um put up at somebody's house um there's been fences built there's been all kinds of things people would reach out and say hey i'm gonna do this next month and if somebody can um several several different people had fences that they needed help getting put up pasture fence um and they would just say hey i'm gonna do it i'm going to you know, if you're organized enough to say it before, like the weekend before it's going to happen, you know, or even if you aren't and right. you, you shout out you and say, out hey, can, I, yeah. can somebody come help? And they do. And, you know, usually we try to make it a potluck of sorts and you bring something to help feed everybody that comes. So that's kind of how it happened. And we didn't necessarily say we're going to get together once a month at seven o'clock, you know, on Sunday nights. We yeah. said... When somebody needs something done, we do it. Just let it, yeah, yeah. So, so there was it was it was never meant to be like uh, some kind of official monthly um, gathering, or lodge <laughs> kind of um, right. thing. It was it was let's let's all stay connected and um, help each other out when we can when when we you know when when folks need help. Um, and then you know while we're learning because we're all new at all this, whether it was 
uh, urban homesteading, uh, homesteading, farming. We were all uh, in the same boat together where we're all kind of figuring this whole thing out, all in this back to the land movement, um, all in different contexts. Yeah. Um, and a lot of stuff had to get done. And there was a there was a lot of lot of GSD and to, to happen. And uh, so it, and it what happened is it 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 I think was kind of a a rare occurrence. Um, at least here in our area, in, in this circle, and it, a lot of folks gravitated towards it, and it was awesome. Um, and it, it's one of those things to where it grew so quick, and yeah. it grew so fast, and it grew so big. You know, the next thing you know is that we're we're unfortunately, I don't want to say turning people away, but we're not able to accommodate. Um, our little place here with as many folks that wanted to be here. Right. And that's kind of, it's heartbreaking on one aspect of it. The other aspect is the, the idea is to build local community. You know, we're not building a, uh, uh, a farmsteaders at the Burns ranch convention where the entire world shows up to partake in this lifestyle for three days and then go back to the regular lifestyle. The idea was, is to, to help be the change that we want to see in the world by trying to be an example of we're beginners. We don't know what we're doing, but we're not afraid to take the next step to help to create this life for ourselves. And we wanted to share that with folks. Right. And we wanted to be that lighthouse to somebody else so that they can be a lighthouse to somebody else. And then on and on and on. We never in, in a million years were trying to be the only lighthouse. For, no, no, not at all. And I think that's hard. I, you feel bad for people because some people would say, I just don't feel like I have anybody in my area or I don't know how to do this. I don't, I want to get something started, but I don't know how. And, you know, we felt that, I think you probably felt that same way when you started going to workshops and said, okay, this is enough of this, you know, but you had a person, you know, you, you took the, the, personal step to say i'm going to you know open my home up to people and i think you know where where somebody asked you know the hardships you encounter when you when you do that is that at least for me i felt that sometimes you'd have people come and no matter how nice they all are um there's always givers and there's always takers in the world and some people would come bearing nothing and expect to be fed and you know and and entertained and then um leave um not help at all or not help clean up or you know and i have seven children and um i would i would feel the the strain of all the cooking and all the cleaning and all of the everything that would need done for events and um I started to get a little bit more, I started to give a little bit more pushback on your event planning. Um, you'd say, I want to do, you know, turkey butchering and then hog butchering and all this. And I would think, how is all this going to get done with little old me? And, you know, at one point, our first hog butchering was done and I was still nursing babies. I was still nursing twins. And so it was a lot of work and it it didn't go unnoticed. And I certainly mentioned it many times that, listen, if people are coming, I'm not here to be cook and slave. I'm here to, to, 
get to know people just as much as you are. And so I think I I would encourage people, if you are going to reach out and if you're going to have gatherings, encourage it to be a potluck. Encourage it to be a day of sharing. <laughs> sharing is caring. So yeah, Sharing in the food, sharing yeah. in the drink, sharing Sh- in the cleanup, sharing yes. in the mess. If you bring a mess, I mean, because literally there were people with mud boots helping butcher hogs and they would be walking through my house to get to the restrooms and, you know, and... I, I was here mopping and sweeping and everything days later. It's in, it's important to know that when you're coming into somebody's place, that you help as much as you possibly can. Don't be the taker. Don't ruin that for everybody. Because when, when, they, when you do walk away and you wake up the next morning and your house is a complete wreck, you feel discouraged to do it again. And sometimes it's not just the next day. It's no, the it's next, di- the, for the rest of the entire well, year. Well, imagine having you're finding trash all those and things kids. all out in the woods and in yeah. your paddocks and where your animals are, and it's it's just it's a be- community is a beautiful thing. It's absolutely amazing. But with every beautiful thing, there are, are there are always challenges. Oh yeah. And when you have this many people um, and this many parenting styles that are different and personality differences this many kids all running around you know you end up with with trash in the the woods trash in your paddocks um and you have people that i would only hope it's inadvertently but kind of some can unfortunately you know disrespect uh you know your property and your home and it it wears on you and you can only you can only keep putting yourself out there so many times before you you are forced to you know kind of cut back because you know when they say there's only takes one bad apple to ruin a bunch i mean it it's true it really it really is is difficult when you know like for us like especially with the with um with all the 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 bigger events when there's you know 50 plus people you know they're not paid events no, you know, we're, we're and, and we never will charge people a dime. No, that's, and that's not what it's about for us. So it's you know we would have events where you know especially like hog butch- hog butchering it would be two or three days of breakfast, lunch, and dinner for however many people are there to eat, and that was all c- coming out of our pocket. We were the ones providing all of that food, drink, you know, paperware, silverware, all that, and. It was a lot. It was a lot to keep up with. We had mounds of trash to to take down all the time. And it was just a lot of work. It's a lot of work to to clean up after every single meal and then to to also be butchering a hog in the midst of all of it. Trying to get everything done and, yeah. and be accommodating. We've got, you know, folks from literally all over the world yeah. uh, coming to to learn and and see what it's all about. And I and I I, I they, they were great times. I mean, I love them. They were they help shape how we think about a lot of things and how to better understand, uh, you know, different people. And it was a great tool to help us uh, better understand, you know, how we can reach out to folks effectively and how we can uh, do a better job of of being that lighthouse without putting ourselves in a position to where we always feel like we're getting taken advantage of. Well, we don't. You don't have to open the lighthouse for tours to be to have the light on. 
You don't have to, you don't always have to open the door to your own home. You can go to somebody else's home and, and, you know, help them. You know, there was one time we went to somebody's house and helped them figure out where their trees were and what they were, what kind of trees they had, you know, all the things just to encourage them or to go visit somebody's bee yard or, you know, because their homestead is just as important as ours is. And sometimes all that person wants is friendship and it doesn't have to be at your place and it doesn't have to be a big event. And we found the, the more quiet, quaint, you know, small gatherings, you get to actually talk to the people you invited and that you get to actually hang out with them and enjoy their company. And that's when you really have people that you create lifelong friendships with. You spend a lot more one-on-one time. So we've changed rather than... Rather than having a, uh, well, it's not really a three-day, it ended up being a, about a four- to a five-day event when it came time to um, butcher the hogs and then process them all and then get into smoking and other things. It, it became a, 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 a fantastic opportunity to learn, but the only problem is there were so many people there. Um, that you there isn't there wasn't enough there isn't enough opportunity to spend the time with the people that actually want to learn that right and so we've we've kind of changed that um, whole entire um, approach um, to where yes we still butcher our own hogs yeah um, folks that reach out to us that uh, do earnestly want to learn um, those are the folks that we have back out privately. Right. Um, to help incorporate that and uh, learning opportunity to, to facilitate that one-on-one time because the idea with all of this was not for the contrary farmstead, Nature's Image Farm, to be the only lighthouse. For once a year, community shows up and then socializes and, and catches up. It, it's it's this is it's not a Christmas church service, no. you know. But what it was meant uh, to be was to help to 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 show and demonstrate what can happen when you do put yourself out there what what happens when you do bring folks together now as a result of that there have been so many little subgroups that that have come off and broken off um, from the initial uh, Ohio GSD crew yeah and that's the idea the idea is for um, not, friendships to happen is for friendships to develop little um, little clicks to form yeah. um, folks getting together you know, uh, privately, they, they didn't even have to invite us. <laughs> and that's and that was the most beautiful thing is that's when it started to it made sense that okay, by us kind of you know getting going quiet for a little while, um, putting a little bit of distance between all the events. The idea was for folks to to do it on their own on their own terms at their own places, right? And that's what happened, and that's that was that's how this kind of has have has evolved. Um, and I hope we'll continue to evolve. And, you know, as we, you know, kind of uh, continue to grow community and to reach out to folks, there's always going to be new people. And we love when folks get a hold of us. Oh, yeah. We love when folks come up, come out. There's always, um, there's always something going on here. Rather than it being like Oktoberfest and a chicken butchering. Right. It's, it's almost like every weekend or every other weekend, there's something going on here. There's folks that come out to help. Um, to come out to learn, um, just to come out and have a cup of coffee um, and, and talk. And that's what I love because we can actually spend 
quality time yeah. with those folks and have more of a meaningful impact in each other's lives. So what we do now is we, we do the butchering um, separate from the big kind of gathering Day, right. to where now we do a hog roast right. to where the, you know there's less work that I have to do that you have to do to where we can actually uh, spend more time catching up with folks that we maybe only see once a year. Right. And the, the when we did it this last time, that was just a way better um, situation, Laid I think, for, for everybody because it was clear and up front. It was, a, it was the October roast. And yep. so everyone brought food and there was so much food and there was so much drink and everyone was so good about cleaning up and the impact financially for us and the impact on um, the messes and everything else was minimized because it was in a different context and that was really hard is when there 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 was no how-to book on creating community we just had to put ourselves out there and it got challenging yeah um and we learned a whole lot and so now with all that put behind us you know the new iteration of the ohio gsd crew is really not any new iteration it's just it's a continuance. It's an evolution of that to where we still get together with all, most of all these same folks. Um, some of us have moved on in our own lives and do different things. Some people have moved, moved actually moved. Moved completely moved out of state. <laughs> and, you know, of course, we miss all those folks uh, seeing them as well. And um, But we look forward to, um, you know, being that change, being that lighthouse by um, having folks over to help build bee boxes, having folks out uh, to learn more about bees, to come out to the bee yard. You know, when we do butcher, folks want to come out and, you know, see what that's about and, you know, give us a hand. That's great, too. So we haven't we haven't closed our doors and locked the farm gate. No. It's just a, rather than it being a free-for-all kind of a, of a situation. Right. The idea is to help just influence folks to do the same thing um, in their own context, on their on at their own pace, um, in their own way to, you know, help keep building local community the old-fashioned way. Community for real. And that's where community for real comes into place because it's just it's it's too easy and it's uh, it's too much of a cop out to to show up and build community when you have to charge for a workshop or folks have to pay to play. That's you know that's kind of not. That's not. That's not fun. And then that's that's not the old time way. Right. Charge for your friendship. <laughs> Hashtag community for real. That's right. So so hopefully we answered that question, and we've got a couple more questions. Joseph Waldorf asks, "What's the hardest thing about changing to the keto diet? What was the hardest for you?" Um, the hardest for me was probably dinners. As far as cooking wise, um, breakfast was okay. Lunch was even pretty decent, but dinner was hard, hardest for me because um, I was used to incorporating like rice as a dish, a side dish, or um, pasta and things. Um, and now I'm trying to add more um, veg, you know, obviously broccoli or cauliflower or whatever to to meals and you know, go without the buns if we're going to have, you know, hamburgers or sausage patties or something like that. So that was probably the hardest thing for me. It was the dinner time prep, the dinner meals, um, because that's our biggest meal together. Um, Kids, you know, most of our kids get their breakfast themselves and we usually do some sort of lunch together, but mom doesn't have to eat the same exact thing. But yeah, dinner was definitely hardest for me. What about for you? 
I used to love our really poor, healthy habit of <laughs> sitting down and eating cookies and milk and watching a show for a few minutes before we went to sleep. That was hard at first. The biggest thing I would say for me, though, was actually traveling. And yeah. I would, and I've, when I think about it, it's, it's so ridiculous because, because I was tired all the time and I was always feeling um, like I didn't have enough energy. I, and my blood sugar was kind of going up and down. Up and down, yeah. When I would travel, I would balance that with, I would like, it would be like chocolate or those fast break bars, you know, yeah. like, like the peanut butter chocolatey <laughs> ones. Uh, a lot or a of Snickers bad eating bar, habits. Or, yeah. I, I never, never, ever really was big on drinking pop. No, but you'd get energy drinks. That was That's your right, big... I said pop, not soda. For yeah. all you folks that say soda. I don't say, say soda. And say barbecue and... Oh, well, I don't say any of that, but... But so so when I would travel, it would be a, a little a ton of energy drinks and Lots candy. Lots of sugar. Uh, I used to love like uh, peanut M&M. <clears throat> peanut and don't M&Ms. be a liar. You would get the, like the donuts or the those sheets. Um, what do they call those things? The... the um, mm. Sam, the the cookie the like oh, fluffy those, cookie things oh the sugar cookie like glob, softy globs or globs, what they gobs, call them? Gobs? gobs maybe I don't know but you'd get those like the red <laughs> red velvet cake ones with the oh geez. it's it's funny how how bad how, how how many bad habits you can form without really well the kids brought home they were doing that set build the other day and they brought home a sweet tea a gallon of sweet tea and I looked one cup of this sweet tea pre-made sweet tea was 26 carbs i thought oh to my, myself that's more than a day's holy worth holy cow <laughs> one. i am a sweet tea-aholic especially in the summertime oh, man, so no. that would be that was you know i couldn't believe that when i saw that i'm like oh jeesh so but we 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 have our you know we have our traits we've shifted our habits but i think we've we've Way done a lot habits. well yeah they're healthier habits and you realize how many carbs you were consuming with the silly things that really didn't they weren't make it or break it it's things. like it's now you know when you look back at it it's it 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 fe- it feels more like straight gluttony back then because back then it was only a couple months ago but i the, the stuff that i would constantly be eating and consuming to stay awake or because i was bored and i was driving or i yeah. was tired and the ups and the downs and the yeah. habits that you build okay i'm gonna stop and get gas to go get coffee get a couple donuts well you get gas three or four times a day if, you're, if it's you know a really heavy That's road week, that adds up and next hundreds. thing you know you're eating two dozen donuts a week and eight candy bars and you know a couple dozen energy drinks and all that adds up to where now it's like literally when i get gas my you know new uh addiction is just coffee yeah and because i've i've lost weight my and my i've it seems like my blood sugar is is as awesome as an on track over you're over 30 pounds now right I've, i've lost over 30 pounds i've never felt better i've got so much energy I don't have the ups and downs. I'm not hungry. And so occasionally if I get like super, super munchy and I'm traveling, uh, I can just get a bag of pork rinds. Yeah, you found those ones. I don't even remember what uh, flavor. Like Turkey Turkey Creek or something has like a like chili, a chili lime. lime. Oh, man, oh, that was good. good. That was that was almost better than a crunchy chip. or whatever. That's just I, I don't know that. So it's been that. And then um, occasionally get like a, one of those Gatorade uh, Propel Waters. Yeah. And then now I see Gatorade has this zero, one's called zero, and there's no sugar. Right. And, and hardly any, like, almost no carbs. And so if you need just a little something different, 
you know that helps so that would help that was that was probably the hardest thing was just um that difference in how i ate when i traveled but now that i feel way better like i just you don't need all the i don't even yeah i'm not even on that and now that i've got i feel like i've gotten i've come such a long way with uh eating habits and health habits it's like i don't even i'm not even tempted by that kind of stuff yeah even a cold pbr when it's 80 degrees out there building bee boxes just doesn't seem worth uh, it (laughs) as as lucrative as it once was right i'll drink hot coffee and love it yeah so that's so that was the i think that was the probably the biggest the hardest thing was dinner for me and you know travel habits for you yeah so that's a good question yeah and uh I'm looking forward to um, Joseph Waldorf is uh, repping some keto coffee. So if you're looking for some keto coffee packets, he's selling it. And uh, he's got some coming in for me. I'm looking forward to checking those out. Awesome. Pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. So the other the other question we had was from Christy Bocros. And she said, what is the biggest difference between homesteading with kids or homesteading without kids? Well, Christy, I think you know that we have seven kids and we have been homesteading with kids the whole time. So I don't know. Maybe she means like when we get like a night off. I don't like know. Like if your mom watches the kids. Um, Really? Do you think that's what? It, I don't know. Because I guess... I guess my assumption would be as a mom, you'd be thinking, well, what would, what would it have been like if you were doing it before you had kids? That's actually a really good question because it makes you think, what would we actually do differently if, we, if the kids weren't involved in the homestead? First thing I think about is when we were turkey, turkey butchering today, it takes a lot of extra time when you're trying to make uh, those teachable moments. You know, Izzy butchered her first turkey today, so it took a right. little bit longer time to let her to you know we get into we get into a habit of of, of literally the the getting the shit done aspect of it to where you catch a groove and you just go 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 and you just want to see it through and it's hard to break that and then stop. She did say several times. I heard her say, she "Dad, did. I'm going to do. Can I and just then, do this?" I said, "You know what? It's just, <laughs> if, if if she's not learning this and have and, and building the skill, right. what's the point?" Uh, well, she had already plucked feathers. I feel like she thought that it was her right to, she, yeah, she, to cut she, that thing she open. She got all the pin feathers <laughs> out, and, and so and she did a tremendous job. She did. And she, she cleaned her first turkey. So I think what's the biggest difference with or without is when you're with kids is I think it's important to incorporate them. Incor- well, for us, because we, we homeschool. And, and make I, the time always for the teachable there. moments. If you're yeah. not having the teachable moments with the kids what's the point because if not all you're doing is homesteading for yourself and you're dragging your kids along I think you're going to burn out you're going to burn them out that's true it is true and I think um, the biggest thing for us if, if, if I were to say what the biggest differences are is I would say um, time you know you're, you definitely have to manage your time a little differently because you can't there's no rushing there's there's actually never a time where I can just be like, let's just get this done, you know, cause it's not going to happen. Um, and knowing that there will be like more waste when you have kids gathering eggs, you can almost surefire guarantee at least once a week, somebody's going to drop that bucket. Um, you know, things like that, knowing that there will be accidents or waste or, um, there's going to be more time spent, um, allowing the learning to happen. Um, but I also think that we'd probably do 
we would probably move slower too. I think like today I look at the way we butchered turkeys, you know, we weren't fetching them. We, you know, one person was fetching them, you know, you were slitting the next, the next person, you know, then you dunk. And then, you know, the, several of us were helping pick the pin feathers out. And I, you know, I think that it went almost a little faster or the same pace as if we were doing it all by ourselves. That's true. Think about in the, in the, think in the, about in it. the wood shop today. Yeah. You're planting boards. Izzy's grabbing them and stacking them. Nate's at the same time on a saw and cutting the boards and into lengths for the boxes. Right. I'm on the other side of the wood shop, dadoing out the fronts and the backs for the boxes. At all while Jake's taking video, Ben's hammering, building his own creations. Any point in time, any of the other kids could have came in and would have wanted to help, and we could have put them uh, to work doing something where they feel like they're uh, contributing and that they're valuable. And so, some, you're right. Sometimes it feels like. We have to slow down, and it, it may cost us a little bit of extra time. Right. But I you think end up what I'm, it what I'm real, as we're talking about this, a light bulb's kind of going off is because the beautiful thing is when you take the time for those teachable moments and you build those skills and you build that relationship of working with them in, those, in these new different ways, the next thing you know, you have Izzy walking into the workshop wanting to help to do whatever and she's grabbing and stacking Nate walks in the workshop to hop in on a, on a chop saw to cut boards down to where all the times that we had to slow down and to teach them we're squaring the cuts this is this this is that this is why we do this now they're just jumping right in yeah. so it's like the training that we're putting in on the front side to get them involved and excited and want to help it's paying off because they're showing up to put the work in well or you know you've put the work into showing them and training them how to do things. We send the kid off to feed the pigs and he's feeding and watering them and fluffing hay. And, you know, you're not having to tell the 12 year old how to do all that. You've already done it. The work is done ahead of time to properly train them in the jobs to give them a skill set that they'd otherwise not have. But also that's something you didn't have to stop and do today. Right. So if you would have had to stop and do that, what would you have not gotten done? And so I think for us, the biggest difference is probably, um, well, of course, there's always going to be more chaos when you have more people and more kids and more whatever. More safety and keeping right. an eye you're, out. You're constantly well thinking sure. safety-wise, yeah. But also, I think, I think the time, the time that it takes to instill those lessons into them. But... I don't, we wouldn't know life without it. So I don't know. What a great question. Yeah, great that was question, so good. Christy. That was so good. That was great. Funny story? Yeah. Do you have one? Yeah. This comes from Amber Schultes. And she writes, okay, here's one. After Halloween, my husband was out of town and I started to throw pumpkins over the chicken run for them to eat and I accidentally hit one and knocked it out. I felt horrible. I brought it in and nursed it back to health and let it back in the run. A few weeks later, I started getting rid of more pumpkins, and I asked my husband to fetch me a couple more. I learned my lesson, so I'm in the run, splitting them up with a knife, while my husband chucks a huge pumpkin over the fence before I could stop him, and wham! It's the same freaking chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Poor thing. Oh, man, that's funny. It's probably scared to death of pumpkins that's, if that's it hilarious. lived through the, the, through the second hit. <laughs> There's so many silly things like that that happen all the time that you just you can't even make that stuff up. No, that's so funny. Oh, geez, that's good. All right, so we're going to read a hard lesson learned from 
our friend Sheena Lewis. So she writes, Michael and I decided after living in a very expensive town to move back with my mom for a few years and had big plans to turn her one acre yard into a garden food forest. We made hoogle beds and planted super invasive things like hardy kiwi, raspberries and sunchokes. We lost control of the space within a year and then moved away. We still owe my poor mother one, an apology, and two, a bulldoze till set on fire cleanup to finish trying to return her poor yard <laughs> to its former grassy glory. I hate to laugh about that. Oh it gosh. looks like the start of the Disney Beauty Sleeping Beauty story when the prince had to hack his way with a machete into into the castle. Oh, your poor mom, Sheena. I'm not sure if that's a hard lesson learned or a funny story. I know. That I guess some be of the hard lessons learned can be pretty funny. Sometimes you you just have to laugh and say, we definitely learned our lesson, right? How many of us have gone full tilt on some of these kind of things and just learned some of these things? That so sometimes it's been stupid. Yeah. So, so, so head over heels, stupid. But... So anyway, I also want to congratulate the Lewises on their beautiful oh, yeah. baby. She Congratulations. finally had her baby. And I when I seen that on Facebook that I was so happy and excited for I him. know. Little Miss Eileen Summer was born, and I'm not exactly sure the date, but I'd have to look back. But I joined her private Facebook group of beautiful baby pictures because who can't live their life without baby pictures? So <laughs> Easy now. Don't you go ovulate and look at them baby pictures. I know. Though. I know. That's that's all I need to do is look at baby pictures, <laughs> but but yeah, so super fun. It was it was great to see that they had a beautiful baby girl. I was so excited for them. They're so great. congratulations, they're, guys. They're great folks. But that we met them at the at that Harbolt workshop way back when. You met them. I I didn't meet them until just a couple years ago. Right. So, but they're awesome. Super awesome. Congratulations, I mean, guys. Other than they live in Michigan, but you know. Well, there's that. We won't hold that against them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks for the hard lesson learned slash funny story, Lewis's. Right. <laughs> well, thanks again, guys, for all the feedback. Please keep sending us your funny stories, questions, hard lessons learned. We've got a bunch more to get to. Uh, thanks for all the shares and the likes. The likes. And the it really helps us to help get the word out. Um, all the iTunes reviews. Be sure to uh, keep leaving those, and we'll keep reading them uh, on the next episode. We've got a tremendous amount of stuff coming up here soon. We're getting ready to go on the big bee run. Yeah. Uh, got bees getting ready to take off. We've got cows to get back out on pasture, pigs to move. Yeah. And Gardens seed starting start. <laughs> and getting the garden going and some crafting and some tree planting and lions and tigers and bears on my. Oh, but for now, sleep. But for now, sleep. Yeah. What do you say we uh, call it a night? Call it a night. As always, be the change, be the lighthouse, and keep it contrary. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Bye-bye. It's been a long week. It's been, we're in such a hurry to get things done. You mean? I'm in a hurry to get things done, oh what? Rushing, rushing till life's no fun All I really gotta do is live and die And I'm in a hurry and don't know why Oh, you in that Can't 90s country Oh, Come on now I know Dan likes some 90s country <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
So is Tyler Rice. Oh. Might, we might be the only three. Oh, at least seeing Garth Brooks. 